Hi, welcome to another episode of the Imaginally True Change podcast with Prashant Gowell. We are here again today with Nita Baum of Be Free. It's another special episode as we continue through the series of five values of Be Free. We've covered in the last two weeks, free and gifted. And this week, we're bringing our attention to equal. It's interesting, Nita and I had the chance to chat a little bit before the conversation, just having a few laughs together. What was interesting for me was Nita cannot help but think in terms of equality. It's great because it's always a learning for me. I found that in the past we've had discussions about equality, and it's something that I can intellectually orient to rather easily, but it's one of the values that I feel... I would love to realize more closely, but hasn't quite settled into my mm. cells and muscles and organs and bones, as well as some of the other values have. But, uh, but I'm excited to do this. I told Nita that I'm feeling feisty today, so it's a good day for, for another conversation and exploration. And I'm just going to start by reading the value as it's articulated by Nita and Be Free. We level the playing ground by acknowledging our shared humanity and our client and freelance relationships. No matter the differences between us in size, scope, or otherwise, we are human and we are equal. J-ho. <laughs> That's it. So, Neats, get us started off here, please. Well, thank you again. Deep gratitude to you, Prashant, for, for encouraging and allowing me to be on this podcast with you to play in this play space together. Uh, it's such a privilege and it's so much fun. I'm stoked that you're feisty today. I look forward to seeing how that unfolds. Um, and part of, I think, how it unfolded was uh, your, your emphasis where your emphasis landed in reading the value, which I loved. We are human and we are equal. It is so, um, that sums it up and it is so part of, it's so the essence. So your feistiness, uh, that energy was, was really well channeled <laughs> in, in, the, in the way you, you shared the value with us today. So I love, I love this value it, in, the, in the course of the program it really, it sort of represents, it's a pivot point. Uh, so, you know, we start free, we start free creating our, our lives and our realities from the inside out in the image of ourselves. We move to gifted where, you know, as we define what that, what that is, what that contribution that only we can make is, and we figure out how that meets others' contributions in the marketplace so that we can exchange them, right? That's part of being gifted and claiming those gifts and expressing that. We are equal. One way that I describe this one is it's where we get to a place of infrastructure building. So we begin to think about the infrastructure the vehicle through which we're making our contribution and what that looks like and what that vehicle can be a platform for in our own development and growth. 
So I'll get a little bit specific before I, before I go bigger. But, uh, you know, for this, this week in the program specifically, we focus on the tools of business, like the typical tools of business, which is to say using legal infrastructures and, you know, bookkeeping, accounting, finance, taxes, like financial infrastructure. Those are the recognized shared tools of business that are utilized in the marketplace. Part of what we seek to equip people to do is to utilize those tools and to transcend them, to transcend the mindsets that have come with them and to tap into that possibility. So the idea of infrastructure you know, it's really interesting. Like if you apply that at the macro lens to how we have structured ourselves as in the way that we relate in the world of work and the way that we relate, you could say, you could argue actually in general, um, socially, culturally, economically to each other. Uh, there's certainly an opportunity to evolve the way that we relate. And like, you know, I think one of the symbols that we're all really familiar with is the the pyramid. And in the context of typical infrastructures, especially infrastructures associated with the, with the traditional world of work, um, the pyramid is the symbol that represents what, what things look like. So at the base of the pyramid or the majority, you know, that's where the largest volume of people are. And the goal and the sort of growth trajectory is an ascension upward to the pinnacle of the pyramid. But as you ascend upward, there's less and less space, which means there's less volume and there's less, there's only one person ultimately in the traditional world of work who gets to be at the top. And that person is the CEO. Um, and it's a, it's an interest. It's interesting when you think about, you know, the behaviors that that structure incentivizes uh, people want to get to the top, but I don't know, from a from an equity standpoint, <laughs> um, there's going to be a lot of unequal distribution inside of that structure because there's only one seat at the top. That pyramid is also the symbol that you could use to understand our current socioeconomic inequities, which those disparities have only grown over time. Um, and you, you could think about that when it comes to access of all sorts, um, depending on where you are in society, your access is limited uh, or en enhanced by where you fall along the spectrum of that pyramid. Um, and I think part of the paradigm shift and part of what is happening is, as there is this continued mass exodus from traditional systems that are more pyramid shaped is like a seeking for something else and a knowing that something else is there are other truths than those truths that are embedded in that particular shape. So that is to say that there's a lot more space than the boundaries we've drawn and the ways in which we've constructed infrastructures. There's a lot more opportunity than the lines that we've drawn, you know, around the, the borders and the, I don't know, the spaces of opportunity. Like, they don't have to be pyramid-shaped. Right. It's interesting because I was watching 
a video and a marketing seminar that I'm taking with Seth Godin right now. And the last piece that I just watched was on how much status drives behavior. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there are there are so many possibilities for realizing what you're describing and at the same time where we are these days is still in this competitive mindset and and i would say the norm is to judge and measure and compare, even if that's a generalization and that doesn't go for everyone. I would say that tends to be the norm. And and it has everything to do with this, this image of the pyramid and the, the striving and struggling. And it's interesting because it also brings up for me this incident I remember reading in Martin Luther King's autobiography when he was flying to... Scandinavia, I don't remember which country in Scandinavia, for the for the Nobel Prize presentation. Mm-hmm. He was looking out the window of the plane and he saw the grounds crew and he just had this insight of how he was like the pilot, but he was only in that position because of everybody else that really supported him mm-hmm. to be in that position. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking the first time I read it, like it was so magnanimous to me that I couldn't even believe in his humility. <laughs> and and then I was like, no, I got to read this a second time. <laughs> <laughs> and I read the same passage again. And I was just like, no, he's really that humble. And that's so amazing. <laughs> and I feel like people have different gifts and talents and leadership exists, and other types of maybe more tactical tasks exist, but that doesn't take away from equality. What's wrong with the pyramid is how we tend to invest a sense of superiority or inferiority relative to that. So it's almost like hierarchies in of themselves, I'm just playing with this idea right now, hierarchies in of themselves maybe can have some value. Maybe there are possibilities, and I've seen this done well, actually. Um, They can have value. But what are the underlying assumptions that, that, that inform that hierarchy? So that's where my reflection is at this moment. Needs, yeah, I'd love to hear where you, what you think. Yeah. No, that all resonates um, very deeply. And, and the point is, I agree with you. I think, I think one of the issues with the pyramid is that it's, it's presumed to be static and it's treated as if it's static mm-hmm. and it's not dynamic, which is to say there's only one person who should be the leader at a given time. You know, I think, that's not the case. I think, I think like mm-hmm. different people are different, you know, are equipped to be leaders at different points, depending on what it is the endeavor uh, is. Right. And that has implications for the way that we structure ourselves organizationally. 
and that, you know, to speaking to the opportunity to evolve the way we work, uh, the fundamental idea there is a dynamism would better reflect our innate equality. Um, the other thing to your point is like, this is all about mindset and behavior and, and the way that we ourselves, you know, we, we subordinate ourselves based on, again, if you go back to the metrics of success conversation, like we subordinate ourselves based on perceived uh, metrics of success and based on a scarcity mindset. Right. And part of like one of the things I say to clients and to, 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 you know, people when I'm talking about be free is like, I don't care if you're sitting across the table from the CEO of Coca-Cola at the end of the day, like, what do you share in common? You're, you're both human, right? Like you, you, you have the same basic and fundamental needs. Are you able, part, part of why we subordinate and we subordinate ourselves and part of why we give up our own sense of equality is we don't feel we have something to offer or to give. Do I have something to offer the CEO of Coca-Cola? Absolutely. I do. I can, you know, I can provide moral support. I can listen to him or her. I can connect him or her to someone in my network who may be supportive. I can share an idea, a story, a challenge I've had. Right. And like, am I not a leader when I choose to do any of those things? Absolutely. I'm a leader. Is he or she more a leader than me because they sit at the head of a company? No, they're, they're the leader of a company, but does that mean they're more of a leader? Absolutely not. Right. And it's, um, this one's incredibly, it's, in, it's incredibly important, uh, cause it speaks to, you know, there are a lot of ways to look outside of ourselves and be like, it's the system who does this to us, but I don't know. For me, I feel like this one is where this is like, this one's a big one where it's a lot about self-responsibility and about the choice to view and to shift your own mindset. And that's not easy. I don't, by, by saying that it's about self-responsibility doesn't mean like you snap your fingers and you have it. No, like <laughs> um, the paradigm can often reinforce an alternative narrative, but you know, the choice to create your own narrative is yours and it's yours, you know? Yeah. And I think you would also be equal to the CEO of Coca-Cola if you just blew their mind. Um, that, would also, <laughs> that would also be equal to the CEO. Hands down. Hands down. <laughs> um. Well, well, what I can say to that, I mean, I love everything you're bringing because it's interesting to me how readily our conversation about equality also brings in the dimension of leadership. And to me, the best possible leader doesn't need anything from their situational context to reinforce their identity. They're, they're self-assured, they're cool with themselves. And so they're just, what makes them a leader, what makes a really good leader a leader is their presence and their ability to be responsive to the moment and the demands of the moment. So if that means that one of your people has an 
inspiration in a certain situation, you just feel that energy of inspiration and you you invest your strength of leadership in that other person. Mm-hmm. You follow that other person. That's also part of being a leader. A really good leader has the capacity to follow because it doesn't take away from their sense of identity. They're very free in that movement. So um, I love that what we're bringing, you know, I can see the connection to freedom. I can see the connection to gifted because it's like, instead of like a Ferris wheel analogy of life, where sometimes you're on the bottom and sometimes you're on the top, what about a, merry-go-round analogy where you're all in different placements but it's on the level playing field so in that way the popcorn maker is just the same as the ceo of coca-cola and and it's because also it's also because who they are on the surface of their part personality and how they're showing up in society is secondary to their humanness to the essence of being human in their being and maintaining their dignity naturally just by existing. Oh, that's so, uh, yeah, that's so beautiful. And two, two primary responses to what you said. So I want to not forget them. So the first, the first one, um, you know, to the point you made about leadership, like, and this is, this is based on my own personal reflection and growth over time, you know, um, a very deeply ongoing <laughs> process and day-to-day joy and challenge at the same time and struggle sometimes, um, for sure, is, you know, I think, I think the, the process of leading, the process of learning to lead, and I like to look at it through the lens of a process, I just think that's helpful because it's, it kind of has this like growth orientation or this movement orientation is I think it's about like, there's this shift from insecurity to true humility, you know? And I think we're, we're often in this space where there, there's like a form of humility where you don't actually feel humble. There's like the confounded form of humility where you're like, Oh no, I'm not good enough. But somewhere in you, you're just like, and that, that one is I think very connected to, to like, feeling insecure, which is connected to all these narratives we have about what we're supposed to be versus what we are. And so there's an implication there of like to move from one to the other, there's self-acceptance. Humility, that shift from like insecurity and humility is about a lot of that happens through self-acceptance and it happens through a lot of other things, but sometimes it just happens through a really solid ass kicking where you're just like, okay, I actually can no longer even, um, uh, obscure any of this to myself. I can't lie to myself anymore. I can't, I can't bullshit my way through this. I like the fact is like, I am humbled. I'm, I'm so on my knees. I'm so, um, raw and stripped of like, you know, the things that I thought, and I have, I have no choice, but to both receive support and to recognize that we're interdependent. And that second piece is such a huge part of this equal value and that interdependence, you know, it's beautiful that you brought up MLK because 
you know, my dad, whose heroes were, you know, Mahatma Gandhi and Martin Luther King and JFK, like so much of our conversation was about this issue of equal, equity or equality of people, whoever you are, you know, I watch my dad treat like, uh, you know, the dude at the candy store, the exact same as he would his own boss. He just, my dad showed up as himself and like gave equal respect and consciousness and awareness to like all whomever it was he was interacting with. Um, it was, it was really a powerful model for me, but part of what um, I took from that and part of, you know, what I recognize now and feel so connected to is the idea that we're interdependent, which is to say like, so I'm sitting here in my apartment having this conversation with you and I'm sitting on a chair. I had no hand in making, right? Like we're interdependent in ways <laughs> that we, that are so incredibly present and palpable. How does my water get to me? A very fundamental and basic need of my life. How many hands does, you know, are, are working and putting their love and their effort and their blood and their sweat and their tears into, into the long pipeline that literally and figuratively ultimately allows me to drink water every day. And if that's the case, like, how could we possibly conceive that we're better or worse than each other? We simply need each other, right? Like there is this, to me, like, it's almost hard to not see the levelness of it all, you know? And honestly, I feel like for me, one of the places where it's easiest to connect to the levelness is, is on my knee. It's like, there's such deep kinship that people begin to feel when when you've gone through hardship and struggle and this picks up on other things that we've talked about. It's like, you know, if I were to talk to the CEO of Coca-Cola about, you know, grief over the passing of someone very important in his or her life, like nobody, neither one of us would be conscious of who's CEO or who's, you know, uh, not in, in, in that moment, we'd be conscious of what we share. And that's, that's part of the other point of this is like, you know, we, we spend a lot of time focused on what makes us different, which is really beautiful. Many, many things make us different. And at the same time, many, many things make us the same. It's like, can we hold space for both at the same time? And also like not judge, just not judge, you know? Hmm. Well, <laughs> there's there's so many little threads in there that were so rich, and I'm just appreciating how this conversation within itself has infinite paths inside it depending on what we choose to recognize and what the other said. And, and, and it's, it's like, I wish we could explore all of them simultaneously, <laughs> you know, I have that's that also feeling constantly. I have exactly, yeah. you articulated that you verbalized that so well. That's exactly yeah. how I feel. And there's, but there's this joy also in recognizing 
whatever choice we do make mm. is the one we do make and that's so worthwhile. That's and good. so I guess where I want to give energy and attention to what you're saying is just to say that I feel the role of collective imagery of culture plays such a strong role in how our each of us independently as individuals experiences our own mental narratives mm -hmm. and then the lenses that we bring onto the world that would create such a sense of inequality mm -hmm. and and how our orientation for a long time as a society was about was about social status was about recognition was about appearances you know like i know that i grew up for example just believing that your resume was a whole lot to do with who you are as a person but i think that view in of itself is fairly limited and i think that as i as i was willing to throw my resume in the trash and see what happens as i went on a very different exploration my world expanded tremendously in that i was like whoa what a small world i was living in and how and i didn't even know it and so i think for many of us when you describe leadership as a process and any of these values that you're sprinkling in here <laughs> so nicely how we can describe any of these as a path i noticed that for myself what a how practical the practice of these values ends up being and how much refuge i can take from my own discomforts and challenges when i orient i remember you know you and i and eva another amazing co-creator of be free had a conversation at the end of last week and you know i'm always in my practice of self observation in these calls and i said something and you responded in a certain way and i observed the thing in me that makes me insecure and it was in that moment i thought that what you were saying was was opposing something i said mm. and i just examined that dynamic for a moment and i was like that's the old story do you see it mm. that's the old story mm. and she loves you she is a dear friend of you she's totally just building off what you just said mm. and it's interesting i oriented exactly as you're describing towards humility instead of that prideful response and how pride is the exact thing which is so interesting that makes you feel insecure mm. and, and so in that moment when i felt that and i wish i could give the example but i don't remember that was a 2 hour plus conversation but i remember it very concretely that this happened and it was like there was such a like ah uh, like a breath a relief a peace that could come in practicing that mm. and so i i just want to throw throw these things into the into the pot here man that's an yeah. awesome direction to have 
taken this in and thank you so much for sharing that. And, and, um, Oh, you're such a leader. Uh, (laughs) um, and such a model for me. And you're, you're reminding me of, uh, something I said to a very close friend of mine recently, which was like, you know, to your point about orienting, which is so powerful. I said to a friend of mine, I was like, I, I was, I was watching him process something I was saying to him. And it was so clear to me. I was like, you're weaponizing what I'm saying to you against yourself. Whereas, wow. whereas yes. if you were listening for the love and the tenderness and the, the fact that I'm on your side, not that I'm against you, you would hear exactly that. Right. And like, mm-hmm. it's so powerful. And that is, you. that's so important, Prashant, because that speaks fundamentally to why we are having this dialogue about the values in the first place. Why are these values so incredibly important? Because we need to orient and anchor ourselves. Like what are we allowing ourselves? What are we deliberately curating as influences in our day-to-day lives consistently from moment to moment? And how does that impact our behavior and the way that we show up in the world, both with ourselves and with each other? That is why the values exist, right? Somebody today, I was talking to a potential uh, cohort member for the upcoming fall program for Be Free, the core program. And um, she described... You know, I, I looked at her, what am I, I have to say, one of my favorite practices is looking people in the eyes and, and, and sharing our values. We are free. We are gifted. We are equal. We are in power. We are grounded. And it was so beautiful. She reflected back to me. She was like, first she said, can you say that again? And I was like, yeah, because it feels so mutually good. <laughs> and second, she said, you know, those are great mantras, you know, mantras to live by. And I, like, we need them, right? Like, what is our guidance and what guidance can we provide to ourselves and to each other? And um, where we are oriented, like, that directs where we aim, where we land. Um, and so... Let's orient ourselves in the direction we want to go, right? Yes, yes. Equality necessarily implies relationship, right? There are two, there are two things that are equal or unequal, right? It's like we are equal to each other. We could also argue we're equal to the task of being free, which we are. <laughs> um, but it is also it is it is about equality with each other, equality in relationship, in our interdependence, in our connection. So so freedom. I want to talk about freedom in the context of equality, mm-hmm. which is okay. So many times we don't even realize that the choices we're making don't feel like an expansion of our freedom. Mm-hmm. They feel like a limitation on our freedom. And if they feel that way, 
then they probably are that way. You know, mm-hmm. like what is the motivation mm-hmm. behind a decision? Mm-hmm. And part of us gets scared of choice. There's part of us that's scared of choice, that choice, that this world is so vast and has so many wonderful experiences that are possible. And so in a, in a weird way in the psyche, freedom can be scary because we don't have to, because we have to, we don't have to deal with all that choice and all that wonder, you know? And so, mm-hmm. so in an other way to like be in that smaller place is then play a smaller game, mm-hmm. which is a status game, mm-hmm. which is a survival game, which is, you know, it's a fleeting pleasures game. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really limiting of the possibilities that exist in human nature and in this world of, okay, I'm not there today because I played that game for so long and my world has been small. And so my mind reflects that. But what if I made the conscious decision to play the equality game? And what would that look like for that to be a process and embrace that as one of my reminders moment to moment? Yes, it uh, requires courage. (laughs) And as I often say, like courage and fear come together. Uh, Fear doesn't go away because you have courage. Courage rises because you have fear. And they walk together, right? Some of this is just about a friendlier relationship between those two things. Um, and I, I it, you know, like at some point you'll see how the threads across all the values connect because the themes come back. Like in this one, part of what you're talking about for me points to outcome orientation, right? Like, you know, I think a scarcity and survival orientation has a lot to do with wanting to control, wanting to avoid death, disease, illness breakdowns, things falling apart, things not looking the way you expected and hoped and anticipated. Um, And part of trust, for me, the way that I think about it is actually just getting in sync with the way things are. It's a tremendously difficult shift if you've been oriented one way, but it goes back to your word, like practice, which is such a beautiful word. Each of these values is a practice. Every moment is a practice. Breathing can be a practice. Um, and maybe the best practice, maybe the best practice for me. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty exciting. Definitely keeps you alive. Um, <laughs> um, and, <laughs> um, you know, so the outcome orientation, that's big. Like that's, And um, some of this for me, too, is just this recognition, like, we're so abundant. If we want to look at it that way, we can. Like, everything, you could see everything you encounter as simply supportive of your existence, if you so choose. What a great choice. What a great choice. And, you know, I think we're coming towards a close here, Nita, but I feel like ultimately equality is also your relationship with life 
itself, mm-hmm. your relationship with God, the universe, your own deeper, higher self? And do you see yourself to be equal to that? And mm-hmm. the messaging throughout the centuries has 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 been anything but reinforcing of equality to life, equality to God, equality to the universe. That and that's scary to a whole lot of people. And life is always asking you, who do you want to be in this moment? How do you see yourself? Who are you? And that you have the chance to define and redefine and create and recreate. And uh, if you're equal to that, I think that opens up a fair amount of possibility for a beautiful life. Uh, oh yeah, I gotta jump in. I got. I, I yeah. <laughs> we're at a close. I I kept yeah. getting, I kept getting this image, Prashant. It's like, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm a physically small person uh, by many standards. My my dad often used to. My dad was a big guy. He would talk about, you know, media you're so small. How are you going to go, you know, across the world and live in Japan? Which I did for a couple of years. And it's really interesting. It's like as I think about this. As I think about equality and kind of the idea of fake it till you make it, like if you feel small, just imagine that your spirit is big, you know, and, uh, and fill in, fill in the space and imagine it's as big and as equal and as free and as gifted and as in power and as grounded as you want. Just imagine that. Just imagine that. And we're not the only ones. Mm. So it's good to be a dreamer and it's good to be grounded and it's good to be equal for damn sure. (laughs) Um, And this has been another great reflection here with Nita Baum of Be Free. We're through the third value of our five value series and we're having a heck of a time here together. And so we hope you're enjoying listening and we hope that um, that something, maybe a little speck of light in your soul gets illuminated by any little part of something we said. And feel free to send either of us a message anytime through our platform so you can shed a little speck of light in our souls as well. Mm-hmm. And and thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being out there. Thank you to Nita Baum, as always, for her friendship, for her insight, for the work she's doing in the world, for all the ripple effects all around her in every which direction that she's creating. And uh, and we're going to have some more fun in the next couple of weeks to come. And, and there's going to be many more things to enjoy after that. So stay tuned. Thanks again. Have a wonderful day. Namaste. Namaste.